Lord, we thank you for that love, Lord. We thank you for that saving grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this time and for your word, Lord. Would you speak to us, Lord? In this book of 1 John, Lord, you have something for us this morning. So would we not miss what it is that you have? And will we be blessed, Lord, by your word? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Good morning and welcome. You can be seated. Glad you're here. Those of you online, we're so glad that you're joining with us. Trust that you'll be blessed that you did. Uh, Before we get started, though, I do want to give you a quick update on our ongoing relief efforts for our Maui Ohana. Uh, Please know that everything I'm going to share about what we're planning must be prefaced with these four words. You ready? If we're still here. Oh, see, you guys got it. Okay. But for real though, actually, I really mean that. That's not hyperbole, literally. Um, First, in addition to the last count of 20 containers, which had been uh, rerouted, offloaded, and the supplies given directly and transported directly to the people who need them the most. Uh, We have added now another 15 to 16 more containers. Now they've been released, which means that they've been approved to be brought to the yard to be offloaded into trucks and then taken to an undisclosed location where they are then uh, (laughs) given to directly to uh, the people. Now, of course, we were a part of that. We've got some amazing people. But these longshoremen, these stevedores, just a shout out to all of you guys, by the way. Um, There's a total of 50 of these containers, of which one was uh, most of ours. By the way, I probably should mention that we had emergency supplies in a container uh, on on the property uh, for us as a church. We don't have it anymore. So, but that's no problem. It's only a problem if we're still here. Anyway, so let's see. Let me try to bring this back into (laughs) something cogent. Uh, So these containers had to sort of be rerouted uh, so they wouldn't be confiscated. And so another uh, 15 to 16 were added to the 20, bringing it to 35, 36. So that means there are still 15 containers. We would cover your prayers that remain, that need to be released and then offloaded, and then the supplies given to the people. This is a very arduous and, uh, you know, long process, logistically even, so not to mention the obstacles. So wanted to give you an update on that uh, project. As for the acquisition of cars, trucks, and vans, uh, this is moving forward as planned. In fact, I have another uh, call, I think, today. And I'm hoping to provide you with some very good news, a very good report very soon. 
if we're still here. <laughs> Please know that in the meantime, we are already providing financial, auto, and housing needs for those with immediate needs. Also, I'm in almost daily contact with Pastor Steve Santos, who we're hoping, Lord willing, to have here at the church to share with us on Thursday, September 21st. That's a week from this Thursday, if we're still here. Um, actually, God has been, is doing, and will continue to do that which only He can. And I'm really looking forward to having Steve here to uh, share about what God is doing when we're together. So I would also covet your prayers in that regard. Uh, then, lastly, and infinitely more importantly, please, please, please pray. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> so let's actually do that right now, if you would join with me. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much. I thank you for Pastor Steve, his family, his daughter, his church family, the people of Lahaina. God, I thank you so much that you are meeting them right where they're at. You're meeting every need in every way as only you can. And it's miraculous. It's in the realm of the supernatural. It cannot happen in the natural. And you're doing it in such a way that only you get all of the glory, all the glory to your holy name. And Lord, thank you that we can be a part of that. I want to pray for Steve for just supernatural strength, uh, for his daughter, who's uh, I think still in California with uh, getting cancer treatments. And I pray uh, for his uh, church. They don't have a place anymore. And uh, I just pray for that church, Ohana those people that are really devastated and really hurting. And so, Lord, um, would you just minister miraculously to the people of Lahaina. And thank you again, Lord, for the privilege that is ours to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, today we're here to hear your word, not me. So we're here because we are desperately needing for you to speak in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, in and through your word to us today. So Lord, will you, we ask you, speak. Your servants are listening in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. First John chapter 4, Lord willing, we'll finish the chapter today. Our text is verses 13 through 21. I'll ask you to stand. You can follow along as I read. If not, where you're seated is fine. Beginning in verse 13, the Apostle John continues now and writes, We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so verse 16, we know and rely on, some of your translations render it, believe 
the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, verse 17, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence, this is huge, on the day of judgment. And here's why. Because in this world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love, verse 19, because He first loved us. If anyone says, verse 20, it's going to get real, I love God, yet hates his brother. He is a liar. <laughs> Emphasis added. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And Verse 21, He has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Oh God, please, unless the Holy Spirit teaches us, we're not going to have our eyes open to the understanding of this text. So Lord, open our eyes and teach us by the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much. All right. So what I'm hoping to accomplish today is dispel what is arguably the lie of lies from the father of lies, that God is angry with you and me, us as believers. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most, if not the most destructive lies from the father of lies to born again Christians. This would be it. And here's why. The devil knows that if he can deceive us to believe God is angry with us, he's got us. What do you mean? Well, if He can deceive me and I believe that God is angry at me, well then I'm going to keep my distance. So if God is angry with me, then that is going to distance God from me, and that is His intended purpose. So you have to understand that Satan, I love how Paul, and I love the King James actually on this, the, he says, don't be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. I just sound, it just sounds very preacher. Yeah, that preaches, as they say. The wiles is not a word we use in our vocabulary much, but it has the idea of the strategies, the, the, the techniques, the tools the, uh, that he implements. He, I picture it. This is a, a good uh, uh, picture to illustrate. You know those World War II movies where they have the military strategists hovering over, hunched over the table, looking at the map, strategizing? That's what Satan does with you. He's got the map of your life. He's studying, strategizing, waiting for the optimum time. 
He knows, oh, nah, that's the, not, not yet. Or not there. Wait. Okay, now. And here. What do you mean? Oh, see, he knows he can't get us in that particular area because we've got it short up. So he just waits because that's a shut door. So he's looking for a different window to come in. And we're not thinking about that. We're not aware of that. We're ignorant of that. And so he strategizes. And one of his strategies is once we come to Christ, is to distance us from Christ. See, prior to getting saved, his strategy is to keep us from coming to Jesus Christ. And then we get saved, kind of like regroup, pull the map back out, roll it out. Okay, you know, we're hovering over the map. We need to re-strategize, regroup. So, okay, he came to Christ. Now what are we going to do to distance him from the Lord? Oh, I know what we can do. Let's deceive him to believe that God is angry with him. That'll do it. I know I've shared, maybe I'm too open. That's all right. Lord knows my heart. But I grew up in a home where uh, I tried to keep my distance from my father because he was always mad at me. And he, he had good reason to be. I mean, I, I gave him plenty of reasons to be very angry with me all day, every day, all night, every night. So I would try to go to bed before he got home. I would try to sleep in till after he left the home in the morning, just so I wouldn't have to <laughs> be there with him because he was angry with me. And early on in my relationship with the Lord, I viewed my heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father. And as you might imagine, that did not work out too well for me. Because I always had this picture in my mind that, you know, you better watch your P's and Q's. By the way, that's a, (laughs) I had one guy say, what does that actually mean? I got to be careful up here. You know, you drop these idioms and, you know, you don't even know what they mean. Well, actually, I think it means to the drunkard, watch your pints and quarts. That was no extra charge, by the way. So, but we're kind of walking on eggshells around God, like, you better watch your P's and Q's and not mess up, otherwise the other shoe's going to drop. That's another one. Yeah, never mind. I should title an update. So that in the apartments in New York, back in the turn of the last century, the, the floors were paper thin. And they always knew that the guy in the apartment above them got home and was, uh, because the first shoe would drop and they were just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Boy, that's, that's no extra charge too. You got two for the price of one. Anyway, here's my point. And believe it or not, yes, I do have a point. You're kind of waiting for the hammer to come down, the other shoe to drop. You're, you're just, man, you better be careful because, man, if you mess up, God is had it up to here with you. He's told you till he's blue in the face. And he's angry. Well, you better, you better lay low. Like I wouldn't go to church if I were you. Glad you're here, by the way. Just 
I sure wouldn't pray. Oh, come on. You're not going to read the Bible, are you? You hypocrite. And then what do we do? Yeah, I know. What am I thinking? It's been rightly said that sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. And see, Satan knows that. And we talked about this a couple of Thursdays ago in Ezekiel, that sin separates us from God. And Satan knows that. So he strategizes, how am I going to create distance between them and God? How am I going to create a gap? Because Jesus is that man who was found to stand in the gap, bridging the gap between us and God because of the finished work on the cross, where all that sin was paid for. But see, the devil knows that if he can get us to believe that God is angry with us, then he's got us. Enter our text today. And we've come to love this about the Apostle John, haven't we? The Apostle of love, by the way who in our text today, by the Holy Spirit, reassures us, God is not angry with us because of God's love for us. I say this this way because it isn't that God has love. God is love. Well, is that a play on words? Absolutely not. Because see, if you say God has love, and yes, God has love, but God is love, that's a game changer. Here's how. If you say God has love, how much love does God have for me? So yeah, example, I hope this works. Please help me, Lord, make this work. When you refer to the Holy Spirit, please don't do this, as it no, it's Him. It's God the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. It's not a force, it's a person. It's God the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? Because if you say you have the Holy Spirit, um, you limit now, and it's not so much how much of the Holy Spirit do you have, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Did that work? Please tell me that worked. So when you say God has love, well then you've kind of almost put a cap on it. Well, does he have enough love? It, it sounds kind of like tentative, doesn't it? A little bit ambiguous. God has love, but not for that. When you say God is love, well, that, that's, that changes everything, changes the whole complexion of it. Oh, God is love. So that should change everything in my relationship, not only with God, but my relationship with others, because God is love. How so? By way of three truths every one of us needs to know, which is why the devil doesn't want us to know, <laughs> about God is love. 
they are as follows in order first in verses 13 through 16, living in God's love. Second in verses 17 and 18, being confident of God's love. And third in verses 19 through 21, responding to God's love. Please don't, I hope you don't. This is not just a sermon in a can, a nice, tidy, neat, homiletically, hermeneutically, I was going to say some other itically's, but uh, you know, three-point sermon. The last thing we need is another three-point sermon. Well, but pastor, you just get, said you got three points. I know, but this is not another three-point sermon. I want today, in fact, I've been, I believe, impressed by the Lord very, in a very strong way. I'm, I'm kind of struggling uh, to communicate this. It's hard, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's almost like I have a job to do today. And at the end of the day, I want for when I, <laughs> God and I have some very interesting talks Sunday afternoons. I just want you to know. <laughs> I mean, I talk to God, but it's really more like God's talking to me. And when I talk to Him, it's always like, it doesn't matter unless you, Lord, were pleased. Did what I do today please you? Because uh, there were like four people that walked out in the middle of the sermon, so I know they weren't too pleased, but were you pleased? <laughs> See, now you can't get up and leave. But um, it doesn't matter. The only thing is, is how I taught your word and fed your sheep. Was it pleasing in your sight, O Lord? So today I have a kind of a, um, uh, a job, <laughs> for lack of a better word, before me, a job to do. I, I have to finish this job. I have to accomplish this work that God has called me to. And that is to, by the time you leave church today, you have a very different picture of who God is and how God is than when you came to church today. Especially for anyone who has this picture of God, who's an angry God. He's not an angry God. He took all of His anger, all of His wrath, and He poured it out on His only begotten Son on that cross well nigh 2,000 years ago. And He took it for us, from us, instead of us. He's not angry. It's been taken care of. That's what the word propitiation means. It's been appeased. It's been satisfied. It's been taken care of. So please, I'm just, I guess, asking you to make my job easier. <laughs> And uh, don't see this as another three-point sermon. This, this, there, there's such a powerful truth here today that God wants us to leave here with. And that is, simply put, that God is love. He is not angry. God loves you. And check it out. He even likes you too. How about that? Isn't it sad that we live in a day and age where the word like packs more punch than the word love? 
which we just throw out so much. When I say God loves you, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I say to you, well, God likes you. He does. I thought he was mad at me after what I did, how I reacted in traffic <laughs> on the phone with customer service. That was last week. I'm not doing that again. So stop. Let's tackle this first one, verses 13 through 16. Living in God's love. So what John writes here is really the foundation upon which we both stand on and live in God's love for us, vis-a-vis -vis the Holy Spirit in us. Now why is that important? Because this God who is love is in me and me in Him. Well, we're off to a good start. In other words, we can know, and by the way, no ambiguity here. I love this about John. He's just, I mean, we know. We do? Yeah. Not like that, because he's more loving than I am. But we know. We're, we're, there's no question mark here. It's settled. We know this. We know what? We know that we live in Him and He lives in us, such that we can believe in and rely on God's love for us. Okay, so pastor, why are you yelling at us? I'm not yelling, I don't think. But I am passionate about this because of what the Savior Himself said in John's Gospel. <laughs> about living, or if you prefer, abiding in His love. John 15. I'll start reading in verse 9. Jesus speaking, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Live in my love. This is my humble abode where I abide. Dwell. Live in my love. Now verse 10, and we're going to uh, get more into this in a moment. If you keep my commandments, don't get legalistic on me, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that, and this is so crucial, my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Did you make the connection? John is going to, as we'll see later on, write that the commands of God are not burdensome. I love how one said of the Ten Commandments, they could be better said, the tender commandments. Because God says, don't do this because I love you so much and I can't stand to see the needless and unnecessary suffering from the consequences of doing this. So thou shalt not do this. You could take every single one of those commandments 
and then some. And every single one of them is from a loving, tender, heavenly Father who doesn't want us to do that because of what doing that does to us. I asked you a question about, not rhetorical, don't answer, don't shout out. But I asked you the question of, did you make the connection, the connection between what? The connection between obeying, being obedient to the commands of God and joy, the joy of the Lord. In other words, the obedience is the catalyst for the joy, the joy of the Lord a fullness of joy. Psalm 1611, in your presence, O Lord, is found fullness of joy. In other words, it's a joy. It's a, it's a get to, not a got to. You delight yourself in the Lord. It's a delight to be obedient to the Lord. How, how is that possible? Because He's in me and I'm in Him. And I'm living in His love. And as we saw last week, that is the source. That is the power source, if I can say it like that. So because I have this love in me, because God is love in me, and I'm in Him, then I have the Holy Spirit enabling me to obey the commands. And what's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, meekness, kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control. That's the fruit that grows out of the Holy Spirit indwelling me in my life. And notice it's not the fruits, plural, of the Holy Spirit. It's fruit, singular, of the Holy Spirit, meaning that the fruit of the Spirit is love, singular. That, that, that's the fruit. That's how you're going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself. By your love. Now this is going to be foundational for this second one, which is huge in verses 17 and 18. And it's that of being confident of God's love. Now, the confidence that John refers to here presupposes that we are living in God's love, which in turn is how we can be so confident of God's love. Now stay with me. This confidence in His perfect love, perfect love, drives out any unfound fear of God being angry with us and meeting out His punishment on us. That's where the whole deception lies. And this is the lies. That was a, that was a play on words. I won't try it again. I hope you got it. It's a lie. God's not angry with you. You don't walk in fear, you live in love, in God's love. You abide in His 
love. And if you abide in His love, then you'll be confident of His love. And when you have that confidence, there's no fear because perfect love drives out the fear. What fear? The fear of, oh no, I'm going to get it this time. Man, I even made a promise to God I would never do that again, and then I did it again. No, I not. I'm not even going to pray and ask for forgiveness. Because see, Satan has succeeded in getting me to play this video and keep rewinding it. He pops the popcorn for you too. I love popcorn. He keeps rewinding it over and over and over again. What video? Oh, you know the one. It's got billions of views, by the way, on SatanTube. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a picture, it's a video of God in heaven going, you did it again? I can't believe it. I'm so disappointed. You vowed to me. You promised me you would never do that again. That's it. Click. Uh. And that video just keeps playing over and over and over and over again. He's got you. But not if you're living in His love, confident of His love, because if you are, then it drives out that fear. It deletes that video, and it replaces it with another video. Oh, this is a good video. It's got way more than billions of views. It's a video of our loving Heavenly Father who waits with open arms. As pictured in the parable of the prodigal, which, by the way, I, I know, I hope you don't tire of me pointing this out about that particular parable, but it is astonishing. And it's lost in our culture. And I'll tell you why. In the parable, which is a parable of the Father, it's, more, it's actually, in a way, more about our Heavenly Father than it is the prodigal son, if you think about it. But this video, okay, of the father waiting and watching for his returned prodigal son. And when he sees him from afar, which implies that he was watching on his security cameras <laughs> from afar, you have to update these illustrations. He was waiting for him to come back. He was praying for him to come back. And then he does the unthinkable in the Middle Eastern culture. This is this would be unthinkable, shameful. The father, the, the patriarch of the family in the Middle East would never run to the son. No, the son runs. So you, you, you get over here, boy. You know, he was thinking that too, because I think he was rehearsing. I know it's not in the parable, but just let me have this one. I think he's rehearsing the whole way home. Man, Dad, I'm so sorry. Listen, I'll just, I'll, I'll clean the, you know, manure from the animals, the livestock. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll scrub toilets. Just please take me back. Anything would be better than what I just came out of and came back home because of. 
fully expecting the, the father. And we haven't got to the brother yet. There's another. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about him today. Yeah. Uh, but th- just think about this. Imagine how shocked he was when his father, unthinkable, gathers his robe and runs to his son and embraces him. That's all. You mean you're not angry with me? I basically stole my inheritance from you early, and I blew it on partying and women and carousing. You're not mad at me? No. I love you. I love you. I'm not angry with you. Your brother's kind of angry with you, but he's actually angry with me too. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, I'm not angry with you. You're not? After what I did? No. I'm just glad you're back. I missed you. I've been waiting for you. And now I'm going to have a fatted calf prepared for you. And we're going to celebrate. Wow. That's a, just wow. (laughs) Does that, I know it's not, not the AC, but do you have chicken skin? (laughs) That's chicken skin, isn't it? I'm sorry, goosebumps for the mainland people. (laughs) Just Stay with me a little bit more on this before we move on to the third one, because the Apostle Paul echoes this in his letter to the church in Rome. Actually, the whole chapter, starting in verse 1 of chapter 8, I've uh, referred to this chapter. I, I quote chapter and verse out of chapter 8 for anyone who is ever struggling with God's love for them. You need to spend some time in Romans chapter 8. I mean, right out of the chute, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no anger, no wrath, no guilt, no nothing for those that are in, keyword, Christ Jesus. You abide in Him, He in you, no condemnation, no anger no wrath, no guilt. Now, when you get to verses 15 and 16, Paul gets a little more specific, and I want you to listen very carefully to what he writes. He says, verse 15, chapter 8, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you, listen, a slave again to fear, hang on to that, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, Baba, in Arabic, and Chinese too, by the way, I found out. Eh? How about that? Anyway, Daddy, Papa, Abba, The Spirit Himself, verse 16, testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. So now, we don't have that same relationship. It's not a 
a relationship as a slave. No, we're not a slave any longer. We are a child of God, not a slave, not a servant. In other words, I'm his kid. <laughs> Do you see the resemblance? So what does Paul mean when he says, the Spirit that you receive, the Holy Spirit in you, that you receive, does not make you a slave again to fear, implying that prior you were a slave to fear. Then it was more like when, not if you sin, you should be afraid, very afraid, because you're under the wrath of God. But if you're a child of God, you're in. And He's in you. Don't have that relationship with Him. I think the Christian to be the most pitied, and I, I say this affectionately and actually uh, as lovingly as I possibly can, I feel sorry for you if you have a fear-based relation, fear relationship with God, where your, walk, your Christian walk is on eggshells. It's like, no. You were given the Holy Spirit. You're not a, you, that's not the relationship anymore. Now you're His Son. The relationship is one of sonship. You're a child of God. <laughs> I mean, you'll forgive me, but you know, the, the you know who my daddy is? Uh, I, I've used that a time or two. I won't tell you about him, so don't ask me about him. None of your business. But I've been in uh, conversations with people where uh, I've realized that, wow, man, this guy is not my friend. And that's putting it lightly. And of course, you know, being the godly, humble man of God that I am, I would never think of retaliation or vengeance. Because after all, vengeance belongs to God. So I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah? Okay. <laughs> I better be careful here, because I mean, I'm just being very open with you again. Uh, I'm like, game on! Sorry, I just woke somebody up. Uh, welcome back. You can't sleep. I'm not going to let you can after, but not right now. Came on, bring it. And I know it's Paul, <laughs> it, it, the way he writes it is, uh, it's of course inspired. My version, not so inspired, the JDV. He says, you know, I, I know that what dwells in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. It sounds so Good. Here's the JDV on that. I know that I am rotten through and through, and that flesh, though dormant, will rear its ugly head. And I'm like, I'm going somewhere. I'm almost there. We're taking the scenic route again, just staying in there. 
So I'm in a, a situation and I'm thinking to myself, wow. And, and I'm not going to look at anybody when I say this, because I know that you do this too, but you're actually thinking of ways that, you know, I know what I'm going to do in response. Are we doing this? And in the Holy Spirit that I've received, that is in me, in that still small refining, refining voice, gets my attention. It's a, it's a whisper. You want to get somebody's attention? Whisper. I know that's a hair shampoo commercial from way back when, but it's true, right? No, right? I got your, look at your, look at you. If you could just see your body language right now, you want to get somebody's attention, whisper what? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit in that still small whispering, refining voice, TD, what? What are you doing? What do you mean? Did you forget who your daddy is? Oh. That's what it's, oh man, my daddy going to get you. <laughs> and I'm good now, because I'm a son, a child of the true and living God. You know, as a child, you have an inheritance. Don't take that illustration too far, because I know that that can, you know, it breaks down if you try to. but. Uh, I, I know with my children, because they're my children, and I'm their father. <laughs> One last example, and we'll try to bring it to a close with the last one. I think I've shared this before. My baby girl, very young, comes home from preschool one day. She's crying. What happened? Well, the boy was mean to me. He is in grave danger. <laughs> Where does he live? <laughs> I will find him. Because you're my daughter. You're my son. Think about it, parent. How protective are you over your children? How much more is your heavenly father as a son and daughter, child of God, more protective of you? Do you have that relationship with him? He's not angry with you. He's, he's on your side. Better said, you're on his side. And guess who wins? Which side? That was rhetorical too. So I'm not enslaved in bondage to fear, because I have the spirit of sonship. I'm a child of God, and He loves me. Now, that's not to say that He doesn't discipline us. In fact, Hebrews reminds us, unfortunately, that that is how we know we're His children. He spanks us. 
I mean, could you imagine you're out for dinner or at the store and you see a parent spank somebody else's kids? What are you doing? You can't do that. That's not your kid. Well, you see a parent spanking their children. What do you say? Well, that's their, that must be their kid. Because nobody spanks somebody that's not their kid. Again, I, I'm sorry, that's the best I got. But that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That's how we know that we're his children, because he chastises those whom he loves. Oh, I wish there were a plaque that we could just put on the wall. I'm a child of God right there. Do you see that? No. How do I know I'm a child of God? Oh, he chastises, disciplines those whom he loves, but never in anger. I'm, that's, I'm so convicted right now. How many times have I gone to my children uh, and asked for forgiveness for disciplining them in anger? See, I never wanted my children to be in fear of me like I was of my father. I didn't want that relationship with them. I wanted to have a loving relationship with them, which has birthed statements like, I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> what child believes that, first of all? <laughs> love me less. It's, it's roommates with this. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know it, you've done it, you've been on the receiving end of it. But how about this one? This is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Really? Well, then don't do it and we both won't get hurt. How about that? Anyway, I digress, but you get the point. It, why does it hurt me more than it hurts you? Because I love you. I don't want to do this. I have to do this. Why do you have to do this? Because I love you and I chastise those whom I love. And that's how you know you're a child of God, because nobody's going to spank somebody else's kids. I don't think. <laughs> I would like to see that, actually. If there's a video on that, send me the link. I would like to see that. That would not be good. If it's in a restaurant, there's going to be pasta and spaghetti all over the place, if it's an Italian restaurant anyway. You don't do that. So, but when God chastises and disciplines us, it's never in anger. It's always in love. It's because I love you. <laughs> think about this. I know I said this would be the last thing. This is the last, last thing. We'll move on. Now watch this. This is, this is really important. I'll, I'll do my best. But isn't it true, think this through, isn't it true that if God didn't love us, he wouldn't care. Just the fact that He would chastise us, not in anger, in love, doesn't that mean He loves us? Because you would never do that if you, if you didn't love them. Why, why bother? I know I'm taking it too far, but whatever. If I didn't love my children, and I would just say to them, fine, just go juggle knives on the H3. I don't care. Like I said, I know I was taking it too far, but makes the point. No, I love you. I'm not going to go let you juggle knives on the H3. So I'm going to discipline you. And I'm going to chastise you. Why? Because I love you. I care. If I didn't care, I'd say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I don't care. You don't love me. No, I really don't. I don't care. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Number three, <laughs> verses 19 through 21. Now this, uh, 
We might live on an island, but our lives are not an island. That was a preface to the third one in verses 19 through 21, because now we're the recipients of this love from God in us, us in Him. And what are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond to it? So to me, this is John taking it to a whole do, and might I add, very convicting level, and rightfully so, concerning this love from us coming because of the love God first had for us. It should spill over into our love for one another. And I mean, John just again inspired, but it's pretty strong. I mean, for John to be inspired to write this, how can you, how dare you say you love God who is unseen, and yet you hate your brother who you have seen? You lie. And he said it just like that, too. I mean, that's what he, he's calling you a liar, not you, us, all of us, anyone who says, yeah, I love God. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you hate your brother? Yeah, no, huh? Doesn't work like that. You cannot love who you not love who you, oh, this is good. I blew it already. This is why I should stick with my notes. Let me see if I can try this again. Thank you for your grace. How can we not love who we have seen and love who we've not seen? Thank you, Jesus, for notes. Did you get it? You talked about last week, right? Because the, the, the dilemma, uh, the problem that John addresses and solves really in the prior verses was, how is it possible for people to see God's love when nobody's seen God? How is that possible? Well, it's possible when the unseen God's love is seen in us. Oh, <laughs> wait. So in other words, I've not, no one's seen the Father, but I see you. Why am I going to see you? You got your Father's eyes. How about you got your Father's love? I see the love of the unseen God in you who is seen. And he echoes the same thing again, saying that his love is made complete in us. But he really hits hard on loving one another. In other words, how are we going to respond to God's love? And, and how can we say 
that we love God who we've not seen and hate our brother who we have seen. You can't. That's incompatible, inconsistent, and really impossible. And again, this is what John had just written about in the preceding verses about how the unseen love of God is seen by us loving one another. And this is John's Gospel again, chapter 13. I'll read verses 34 and 35. This sums the law up. The Ten Commandments, uh, the file has been reduced, the size of the file from 10 to 1. A new commandment I give to you. Oh, really? This one? Yeah. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Oh, interesting. He repeats it twice. By this, <laughs> verse 35, all will know that you are my disciples if, third time now, you have love for one another. Hmm. Okay. So my response to God's love unseen is when I have love for another that is seen. Yeah. Um, there's more to it than that. Because see, the first five commandments are loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, spirit, body, at all. And the second five are fulfilled by loving your neighbor as you already love yourself. And stop with this, I just don't love myself. No, you don't. You don't. don't, don't nice try. You know, I just, I just don't love people the way I should, because I just don't love myself. I've got to love myself first. No, you, you love you. You love you. You're your favorite person to talk about. Reminds me of the two people that were in a conversation, and the guy said, you know, that's enough about me talking about me. Why don't you talk about me? Was that too much? So let's see if we can try to wrap this up and, and, and tie this up. So if the gauge is my love for one another, Let me start over again. It's been a long week, by the way. <laughs> they're going to know. This is the measurement. This is the gauge. This is how they're going to know that I'm a disciple of Jesus, by my love for you, my love for one another. That's the new commandment, loving one another in that way. You know, I hesitated, I debated, but I, I want to close with Matthew chapter 5. When I say hesitated, I mean um, I, I, I did ask the Lord, uh, first of all, uh, should I? And then I kind of got a green light and I started, you know, doing a Gideon thing, just to want to be really, 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 really sure. Did that whole thing. So then I, 
I ended up losing that, uh, just like Gideon did. I ended up <laughs> on the losing end of that debate. So Matthew chapter 5, verse, beginning of verse 43, Jesus speaking, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what I do. But I tell you, uh-oh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, like I'm going to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I, I'll pray for them, all right. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that one. <laughs> now watch what he says in verse 45 and how it comports with what John just wrote here in our text. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, I mean, I, I tell you, this is why I'm like, Lord, no. I said, yes, you are. No, yes, you are. Yes, I am. Because he, that's the resemblance. See, you need to be more loving like your father is loving as a son of God the Father. You need to be a chip off the old block. It needs to be said of you, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Boy, I'm really on a roll today with these metaphors and idioms, aren't I? Well, what's the father like? Well, glad you asked. He's so loving, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, I thought, well, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. No, rain's a good thing for your crops. In an agricultural society where you make a living. No, he loves the people so much that he even lets the rain fall on the crops of the unrighteous. Okay, real quick, you know the proverb that says, uh, I think it's Proverbs, it's probably not. <laughs> he, you know, uh, be kind and heap burning coals on their head. I used to love that early on as a young Christian. Yeah, burn them, man. Keep burning coals on their head. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. Because see, if their fire went out, they needed coals to start a fire to stay warm and cook their food. So when you heap burning coals on their head, you're, you're actually blessing them. Well, if I'd have known that, <laughs> I wouldn't have heap burning coals on their head. I'm thinking God's going to rain on you, man. No, rain's good. Heaping burning coals on their head's good. That's what God does. Do you? I thought you were his son. What's up? You're not a chip off the old block. There's no resemblance at all. See, verse 46, and you'll see why I struggled with this. It's so convicting. Watch this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
Are not even the IRS agents, I mean tax collectors, doing that? By the way, Matthew was a, was a tax collector. Did you know that? <laughs> I just love it when God does that. If you work for the IRS, we love you so much. No, they were the most <laughs> Boy, I better, I better bring this in for a close. <laughs> the most despised people, the most hated people. And I mean, even they love people who love them. Isn't it true? Come on, let's be honest, right? Hey, you find out, you know, somebody likes you. Well, I like you too. I love you. I love you too. You know, I don't really like you. You know what? I don't like you either. No, come on, right? Am I right? That's what Jesus is saying. Come on. And then he takes it to another level, verse 47. It says, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? In other words, you want to stand out and resemble your heavenly Father who is love? And you think you're doing that by doing what even the IRS agents are doing? No. Now, if you pray for your enemies and love your enemies and, and those who persecute you, well now, that's new. You don't see that every day. That's different. That's curious. Hmm. He might be one of them Christians. And by the way, one, one more thing on this, and we will close. Thank you, Jesus. I did it. I did it. You know when um, this is that we want it to be a command, because the commands of the Lord are not burdensome, and God will never command us to do anything without also empowering us, enabling us by the Holy Spirit to do it. Otherwise, He'll be party to our disobedience, and God can never be party to our disobedience. I know I did that fast, but you got it, right? Just on your head, go, yeah, I got it. I got it. So this is a command. And we want it to be a command, because it comes packaged with the empowering, enabling to obey the command. So we want it to be a command. But there's something more here, easily missed at first read. When Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that's for you. What do you mean? Oh, when you start praying for people that are persecuting you, when you start praying for your enemies that hate your guts, it changes your guts <laughs> towards them. Jesus knows that. I mean, it might start off rough. I know for me it did. I'll just be very candid with you. And I, I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll pray for my enemies. Start off, you know, God bleh, you know, God bleh. It took a while, a little rough at first. Bless him, not too fast. Let him feel the wrath first. And then, no, that doesn't work. You know, then I tried the Psalms where David's let their teeth get crushed in their mouth and choke them to death. That's not a prayer, by the way. That's, uh, uh, it was actually a, so that, that what they're 
doing to me is never done by them to anybody else ever again. So don't try that one either. I tried. I'll save you the time. But what happens is, and the Lord knows this, this is why God has commanded us to do this. You start praying for them and all of a sudden your heart starts changing towards them. Your heart starts softening towards them. Now you're invested in them and you actually want God to bless them. Who knew? Well, God knew. So all of a sudden now, they're not my enemy anymore. Now there's somebody that I'm praying for and have a love for. And that's different. And that's peculiar. And that stands out. And that resembles the Father. So people say, wow, you must be His son. I am. I am. Because that is a love that can only come from the God who is love. He must be His son, His daughter. I am. I can see the resemblance. Oh, man. I'm very convicted, and I'm over time. Don't look at your watches. Capono, come up, stand up. We'll close in prayer and song. Thank you for your grace, by the way. You're very gracious to me. You're very patient with me. You have treasures in heaven, I'm pretty sure. When you get there, you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But you're also going to hear, wait, you went to Calvary Chapel, Kanyohe? Ha! Ha! Because the local is going to be up there. Enrimbra! Yeah. Anyway, okay, I don't know if that's biblical or not, but I'm just saying. No, but you are very gracious to me, and you're very loving to me, and I thank you so much. Father in heaven, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is good. This is good. We needed to hear this. We needed to be reminded of this. Oh, how you love us. How you love us, God. Thank you that there's no anger, no wrath, no condemnation. Jesus, thank you for taking all of the anger, all of the wrath from us instead of us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the picture, the video really, of that father in the parable with outstretched arms, no anger, only love. That's you. Thank you. We love you. You first loved us, but we love you. Lord, if anybody's here today or watching online that has just bought this lie from the father of lies, that you're somehow mad at them or angry with them. God, please, I, I beg you that they will not leave here today or end this video today without that being settled once and for all right here, right now. You are not angry. You love us so much. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.